Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. And I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. Alright, what are we going to start with this week, Mikkel? Not the attempted coup that happened on Tuesday, for sure. (laughs) Just have to acknowledge that, though. Just, like, as a concept, like, as a thing that happened. Um, So, we're going to move on, though, and we're going to talk about Epic. The game company, not to be confused with Epic, the healthcare company, of a part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this very briefly is because... uh, I worked for Epic, the healthcare company, and they're both large, giant tech companies, and we're gonna we're gonna dissect that a little bit more later. But uh, Epic, the game company, uh, longtime figure in the gaming industry, they license out their Unreal Engine to other game companies back in 1998, and it's been a staple of the industry going forward. Like Unreal Engine is one of those like standards that has been set, and it's used everywhere. And then much more recently, in like the grand scheme of everything, they reached a whole new level of success with Fortnite and the launch of their Epic Games score because of how good Fortnite was doing. And it was one of the first times that like a competitor came up to like Fred and Steam's dominance as the PC gaming place to be. And then when you look at Fortnite, it's been absolutely ridiculous the type of licensing they've been able to get between every single Marvel character ever, all of the DC characters, John Wick. They got they got a Star Wars like story point inside of their game like a week before the movie actually came out. Like that's wild. That's that's amazing. And yeah, this Battle Royale has been doing well, this new developer-friendly business model that they've been pushing because they're in this place of stability has been great. And it's all sort of culminating where this week Epic made news for two reasons. One, they purchased a defunct mall in order to move their new offices into. And then two, they acquired uh, Rad Game Tools, a company that they have worked with before in the past and are currently using their compression tech for Fortnite. So... And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because it's always fascinating watching the rapid expansion of tech companies, especially in the modern era. And the thing that I think we often forget is that, like, this rapid expansion isn't happening in isolation. It's it's following very steady growth up until this point. And you also see that, like, it also always results in, like, very similar moves and... This is just something that, like, having worked in in software-adjacent industries for a long time, um, they love quirky building designs. They love, like, getting, like, weird things. And, like, now that Epic Games has a mall for their campus that makes them one step similar to Epic, the healthcare industry, the healthcare company, which if you haven't looked up their campus in in Wisconsin, like, I urge you to do so because it is a wild place. It has a... 10,000 person theater that is buried underground with a theater screen like larger than most like movie theaters it's wild it's it's incredible and 
yeah, these are like steady decisions that have made, been made over the last couple years that have paid off in ways that they didn't foresee. And at the very least, Epic is cool in the sense that like because of this Epic success, they have um, made it better for their partners and their developers. Like they've reduced how much funds they get from licensing in order to give more to the developers. They've made their storefront very accessible to indies and other companies as well. And it's cool seeing that, like, a company seems to like, we're in a financially stable place, so we are going to assist others in getting there. And that's great. And then you think about sort of like, that is just so much money that is being made. And capitalism is still capitalism, even though we are getting some cool games out of it. Well, I mean... So there, there is a lot of quirk in this story, right? I am happy to hear that they are doing, that they are treating employees and developers better. I feel like one of the last times they were in the news, it was specifically because their financial model with Fortnite was so based on micro-purchases that the developers were ridiculously overworked because they had to put out so much like rapid-fire content. So I am hopeful that that is maybe better. <laughs> I do find it entertaining that they bought a defunct mall as their new offices. I kind of just want the world to turn into the world of video game high school. Not the last season, because that was really depressing. But the seasons before that were like really fun, and I feel like this is, this is the way right? Like, this is how we get to that. We already have the crazy, (laughs) like, varsity video game scholarships, which are a real thing. You can, in fact, get an athletic scholarship for video games now. And there's already this talk of, like, once you're, like, 25, all of your fest, which responses are too slow, and so you can't be on gaming teams anymore. But, yeah, I just, I feel like this is going to transition into gamifying everything, which is really bad in some ways, but really great in other ways, and I just want to kind of focus on those positive things, and I think it would be fun. I think you should have to, like, Maybe we can bring, like, hopscotch back, and you have to, like, do the right hopscotch sequence to, like, activate the doors to get into Epic Headquarters. I don't know. I think everything should be gamified. But, I mean, it's good for Epic. I hope it is also good for their developers, and it sounds like it's going to be. I just found a game yesterday that's on the Epic Game Store that's called Airborne Kingdom, which looks amazingly beautiful and also has a beautiful soundtrack so they are putting out really good content and that's good there's an abandoned mall in st louis that very much feels that it could be repurposed to be like either a laser tag arena or a video game training place where like you just get a bunch of people and now i also want to enter that building using hopscotch now it's a good idea it's a good idea there's an abandoned cineplex here that's like an old school neon sign outside the front cineplex like art deco 20 style and i really i have i have so many uses for this building 
but I feel like I shouldn't maybe air them on a podcast. Pro- probably, probably not this podcast. <laughs> probably we're just going to focus on the fact that there was a headline where Epic Games bought a mall, and it was an interesting headline that had some interesting ramifications. And we'll talk about yes. our repurposing of other uh, abandoned areas <laughs> at a later date. You know, Black Nerd Problems flips <laughs> flips properties. You know, I would watch that show. I would watch that show. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have us for us this week? So I have something else that is kind of nostalgia. Maybe that's why abandoned malls are a thing. Is like it's like oh, the nineties happened. <laughs> but Ghibli's Studio Ghibli is back with a new feature film. It's their first feature film in four years. Um, I would like to pause and just say that Studio Ghibli just makes me happy all the time. And at one point, they were talking about maybe it actually happened. I don't know. Time is weird now. But there was going to be a Studio Ghibli amusement park just all studio ghibli and that is amazing it would be in japan so obviously we wouldn't get to go ever because no one likes americans but it would be really cool and i think it should be a thing it is and it now they're back thing. with it is it's a thing opening in like yes. 2022 so maybe maybe oh, we can maybe, get back into the good graces of the world i maybe we can get our stuff together as a country for long enough that we can go to the Studio Ghibli amusement park. That would be amazing. And and they will have a new feature film that maybe will get to be included, and that is called The Earwig and the Witch, which I'm excited for for two reasons. One, because it's a, a Ghibli film. Automatically excited. Number two, because it is based on a novel by Diana Wynne-Jones, who is amazing, already done work with Ghibli because Howl's Moving Castle is also a Diana Wynne-Jones novel. But Diana Wynne-Jones is a name from my childhood, at least, that I absolutely loved. And it was something that I always looked for on the bookmobile. Yes, I lived in the country. Yes, there was a bookmobile. It's fine. But (laughs) the driver of said bookmobile understood that I did not appreciate the Jordan novels with weird talking animals, and I did appreciate the Diana Wynne-Jones novels with weird talking animals, and therefore brought me Diana Wynne-Jones books. And so this has a very special place in my heart, and I'm super excited to see it. And it's not that long of a wait. So it's going to release in certain theaters worldwide February 3rd, but then they are going to streaming on HBO Max on February 5th, which I am excited for, but also think is a good model in this world. We've talked about this multiple times about whether there should be theater releases or if it should be straight to streaming. Um, Obviously, you know, American-centric world is like, release everything on streaming the same day. But like other people can go out in public and have normal lives right now. And so they should be able to go and see things in theaters. So I like this double packaging of like, we are going to do a theater release and have a little bit of exclusivity for a while, but not too long. And then we'll release it. We will release it on a streaming platform. So yeah, Ghibli's back. I'm excited. What do you think, Mikkel? 
one, can you... I, I've only heard of bookmobiles. Can you tell me more details about this magical thing? Because I did not grow up in the country, so I have no context for this. It's... It's a bus. It's like a tiny home for books. Like, you know how they, like, do schoolies? It's like a tiny home for books. And so it's a bus that they have retrofitted where they take out all the seats and the sides are just bookshelves. And then you have a big aisle in the middle. And they're all, like, they all have, like, double shelving so that they don't fall off while you drive and then the bookmobile drives around the like outskirts of the county that are still technically in the county but would take a really long time to get to the actual library and so a lot of times especially kids out there uh, they have an adult section too but it's mostly targeted at kids because they want kids to learn to read right and and to have a lot of different books to read and they know that getting into the the library is not necessarily an option or not an option very often and so they just go and park and at where I was at we had a church at the end of the street and so they would park in the church parking lot on Wednesday nights and all of the kids would walk down the block and we could go and get books and it was super cool and awesome we should bring back bookmobiles and then we should update <laughs> bookmobiles for like the very brief period of time where like dvds and blu-rays are still relevant so like we should just have multimedia mobiles yes MMMs. yeah just i everywhere. will say one of the cool things about bookmobiles too is that they were always those books that like really should have been taken out of rotation <laughs> so they had like if it if it was written in the 1950s, you had the 1950s cover. <laughs> like <laughs> it was tad, and you had to like Damn. request if you wanted specific things. You had to like make a written request, and then the librarian driver that was a thing. The driver was also a librarian would like go and get it for you and bring it for you next Wednesday. I love everything about what was just said. <laughs> Um, on more Ghibli-related notes, so every fi- so one of HBO Max's big acquisitions was like getting all of the Ghibli films for the America for the North American audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so before the Earwig and the Witch comes out, what is the one Ghibli movie that has to be like your must-watch beforehand? What's oh, your favorite no. Ghibli movie? No, no, no. I-, I have to ask. I have to, and then I wish the last mind. one that I watched, like that is. I always think I have one, and then I watch another one, and I'm like, no, this is my favorite. And then I watch another one, and I go, no, this is my favorite. So I'm going to answer slightly differently in that one of the ones that I haven't watched that I plan to watch in preparation is My Neighbor Totoro. I've never watched Totoro. So I'm going to watch that, but they are all good. Yeah, I can't can't do favorites. So... I can, but it's also very, very specifically because of, like, how it fits into my narrative as a nerd, right? Because I didn't watch... So I watched all of the uh, Adult Swim tsunami animes, right? So, like, oh, yeah. Hakusho, Sailor Moon, like, all of mm-hmm. that. 
But, like, that was my only, like, contextual point there. And I think I did, like, spirited away in high school because, like, they said sort of, like, this is relevant somehow, and I just <laughs> believed them. Yes. And I'm sure it was relevant somehow, but, like, I'm pretty sure my high school English teacher said sort of, like, this is relevant to Lord of the Flies, and I don't know how that's even possible anymore. Beside the point, um, in college, when I was, like, getting exposed to even, like, more of the breath of anime... It was Princess Mononoke that was introduced to me. And that's a movie that I've, I was shown and like I saw in like revival theaters. And that, that's the movie I go back to. And the movie that has like aged incredibly well over time with how it approaches its themes and how it approaches this conflict between like te- uh, nature and industry. And how they are... Like, they're at odds with one another, but they're not inherently incompatible. It is the greed, it is the overabundance of one over the other. And, like, it's always been a movie that has resonated with me very deeply. So whenever I think about sort of, like, what's the one Ghibli movie that, like, I go back to, it's it's always Princess Mononoke, because I just, I love it. And there's a giant wolf. And there's a giant wolf. Yeah. Um, That's and a also, good this one. Is, this is tangentially related, but there's also, like, a whole reference to Princess Mononoke in Craig of the Creek, which I also watched yeah. on HBO Max recently. And, like, Wild Nessa is just Princess Mononoke, except the wolf is a big dog. Yes. But that's the best. But that's the best. And I just wanted to share share all that joy. So. I agree. Everyone should watch Craig of the Creek as well, if you have not. Yes. It's amazing. The second season just got added on HBO Max, like, on the new so year. So exciting. And I all of it. It's so good. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a short break and then come back with a segment where I hear out a co-host who isn't here. Yeah, Keith isn't here today, but I would like to blame him for this next bit of news. As all long-time listeners know, we have been covering the streaming wars since the podcast started. We have seen platforms rise and fall, and we have discussed, dissected, and debated the benefits of different models, business decisions, and how the companies have reacted to one another. We have been here for the rise of Disney Plus and HBO Max. We have lovingly shown Netflix and Hulu's catalogs time and time again. There's a bit about Peacock where I say it like Peacock. Um, And there's a diatribe about how Amazon Prime has this amazing selection of things that no one has ever been able to find because their discoverability is miserable. And truly, one of the stories that took up way too much time in 2020 was the existence of Quibi as a concept. And I thought we were done, y'all. I really thought we were over this. Like, the company couldn't find anyone to buy their their stuff. The Quick Bytes was going to experience a quick death, and I wouldn't have to devote any more headspace to a platform that got Anna Kendrick an Emmy nomination for starring opposite a CGI sex doll. It is a thing that happened in 2020, and is still haunting me to this day. But 2021 decided to squander all of its good wear that it had for not being 2020 by, well, honestly doing a lot of things within the first nine days of the year. Like, But specifically, for this particular segment, we're going to talk about its necromancy of Quibi. Because in a move that continues to baffle me days after this announcement, 
Roku acquired the rights to the Quibi catalog, and I'm sure there is some algorithmic break-even point, a carefully calculated metric that Roku determined and said, if we can pay X and get Y, this will be good, and I'm sure it made sense to them. And if any of our listeners like Quibi, I hope this move is good for you. I hope you get the content on your little Roku stick, and I hope it's great. But out of a list of things to necromance in 2021, I'm not sure why a failed platform of short-form content is one of them. And if you were gonna bring back short-form content, right, like, why don't you just put all of the old Flash videos that we can no longer watch on our internet browsers on a nice little channel? Uh, why not get, like, a Best of Vine channel and just have that run for 24 hours? Um, somebody suggested, like, what about the You're the Man Now dog memes? Like, surely that, that is a better way to use space. Um, and it's just funny, right? Because, like, Roku ended 2020 by getting access to HBO Max. Like, that was a big pull for them, and that was something that a lot of people, myself included, were really looking forward to. And now they decided to flip that on their head, so like, we're gonna start off this year by summoning Quibi with the candle emoji. And I just, I don't, so I don't know why. So here is... I don't know why, Victoria. I don't know how we got this here. Is, this is my theory, alright? My theory is that Roku understands that it is the midnight run for snacks. Like, it is when you wind up in the grocery store and you haven't eaten in 12 hours. So it just gives you everything. And like, no, not everybody's going to watch it, but like somebody is going to want that peanut butter covered squid. I, I feel like that's what this is. It's just like, somebody will watch this. We just need to fill with everything. And, you know, if they if you build it, they will come, maybe? I, I feel like that's got to be what it is. Is like, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, that, do you remember that weird death metal animated show? Or, like, Mr. Pickles the Dog, which was terrifying. <laughs> like, that seems more acceptable at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where their Quibi content is. <laughs> maybe that's the home for it. Yeah, I, I don't want to spend more time talking about this than we have to. <laughs> but we also have to acknowledge its existence because it's a running joke on the show right now. That how much I hate that we have to devote time to this platform. It doesn't mean they're going to make new things, right? Like, they just bought the true. old catalog, yeah, but it's still, it's still, yeah. it's still mostly dead. Okay, we're going to go back to, to, to this thing, right? Well, it's just sort of like, out of the list of things to, like, bring back, right? Like, I much rather have seen Roku said, so it's like, we got all of the vines. We're doing a 24-hour vine channel, and then this is just vines for days. Like, that would have been great. I would have, and like, this is, this is like, wholly, like, tangential, right? But like, Flash videos no longer exist on modern browsers because Adobe Flash players no longer support it. And I don't remember the last Flash video I actually watched, but like, I do have fond memories of like, Newgrounds and other things. Like, maybe not fond memories of Newgrounds, now that I've said it out loud, but like, the same concept, right? Sort of like, it's just, out of all of the content, and like, 
it's just weird. It's just weird. Because, like, we ended 2020 with being sort of like, no one wanted to buy Quibi's content. And then Roku is sort of like, but wait. And, like, you are correct. You are definitely correct. This is definitely a, you know what? It's there. Somebody will watch it. We will get our money's worth, and it will be good. And I'm sure that's what it is. So here's a hypothetical for you, though. Is it better that they, like, semi-resurrected, they didn't even get, like, the full resurrection, let's be honest, but, like, they semi-resurrected Quibi, is that better than them instead investing in making their own original streaming service? I see your point. I can see it before. (laughs) That would be the dark day, right? That would be the dark day. A new champion has entered. Roku. Just Roku backwards. It's like totally original, totally independent. Yeah, yeah. We got this. Now we're going to do a quick transition into some quick takes about some quick bits of news. And that bit did not work at all, but I had to try it anyway, right? Um, we're going to do a lightning round to wrap up the show like we do every week. Well, we're just going to do a rapid fire of things we don't want to talk about in detail, but things that we still want you to hear about. Um, and this first bullet point is a we heard about this, so now you have to type of deal. But Vulture reported this week about a Danish children's show called John Dillermans, which is an animated series featuring a man with, and I quote, an astonishingly long, misbehaving penis. And if you were confused by this, a piece from The Guardian reports that Danish academics and psychologists are also confused by the existence of John Dillerman. Um, moving on. The Hollywood Reporter has reported that the CW will not be pursuing the Green Arrow and Canary spinoff, which had its back to a pilot with this season finale, series finale of Arrow. Not much more to say about that. The Arrowverse has existed far longer than I think anyone thought it was going to. Monster Hunter fans, you can rejoice since Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch had some new trailers and currently has a playable demo for all of you to try out all of the new things being introduced, like wire bugs, which I'm still not entirely sure what they do, but they are wire bugs, so use your imagination there um and there are new and old monsters to face off in the little portable platform and then finally for any uh asian and pacific american listeners out there hbo announced their hbo apa visionary short film competition as they are now like trying to get a showcase dedicating to emerging asian pacific american directors with their unique perspective on the experience And for 2021, the competition, the theme is focusing on taking the lead. If you are an aspiring APA filmmaker, you should check out HBOVisionaries.com for more information about this contest, because that's really cool that this contest is happening. So, if you would like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in their news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was this week in their news. Tune in next week for more pop culture. I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Victoria Verdeen. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you next week. 